Hello and welcome to episode 8 of Surrender to Poetry. I'm surrendered. I use they pronouns primarily. She works as well. Today I'm going to be changing it up. Surprise, surprise. I'm going to be talking about my health journey that I've been on. You'll still get the poetry. You'll still get you know, substantial, well, you can get a lot of substantial life stuff, actually. Um, I've decided to go a little bit more public with talking about my journey. I'm going to kind of fuse together a couple different recordings that have happened um, that I've made on Instagram, and then I will talk a little bit in between and um, read you. Uh, there will be poetry. I'm not sure which one yet, just to be real, because that's how I that's how I work, but um, I want to start with uh, the first clip I'm going to share with you is a live I did on Instagram the other day, and I realized, well, no, I'm just, I'm just going to play it because I explain it all there. So here it is. a lot. I talk about mold illness. I talk about my journey. And it's, I've written down about, I've written down in different places about my journey. And I wanted to have a video here to tell you what SERS is, how I was diagnosed, what my treatments are, all of these things. Um, so I want to start with, and also, <laughs> I'm not a doctor, I'm not any of those, like, professionals. I am my own professional with my own experience, so this is all based on my own experience. But, so SIRS stands for Chronic Inflammatory Response Syndrome, and it is something that is a multi-symptom multi-system inflammatory response. Um, it has to do with a mutation of the HLDR genes in your body, which you can test, um, which I had tested in my blood. And um, what my body can't do that other bodies can do is process biotoxins. Um, bio meaning life, <laughs> toxin meaning toxin, um, and so and so it can't produce toxins made by living things. So things like lime, algae, mold, um, seafoods, some seafoods. Uh, if you've had, if I've had a brown recluse spider bite, which I haven't, that I know of. Um, so biotoxin body, my body cannot process it um, in the same way that maybe other people's bodies can. And there's about 24% of the population that has this gene mutation like me. Um, exciting. I wrote down notes so that I can remember because my brain can't hold all of this stuff. Um, so because it can't bind these toxins, especially mold. Mold is, seems to be my main culprit. Um, my body needs a lot of help binding toxins, and I will get into that in a little bit. Again, I'm not a doctor. I'm not telling people what to do. I'm just trying to have people help understand my own story. Um, oh, and actually, this is one of the symptoms that comes up here. I've had splotchiness for so much of my life. Um, and I believe this has to do with um, mast cell activation and the way that like blood flows in your body. So actually, you're seeing one of my symptoms right now um, when I have any sort of like 
kind of elevated emotion. This is something that happens. So how was I diagnosed? Um, for me, I think the first thing was, yes, I took an online screening. So I saw a functional medicine doctor, um, not an allopathic Western medicine doctor, because a lot of them do not. Did you tell them sirs and they're like, what? I don't know. Um, so a functional medicine, naturopathic doctor. Uh, I did an online screening called a visual contrast screening test through the Surviving Mold website. And that looked at, um, what did that do? Oh, it asked me a lot of questions about different symptoms that I had. So it was like this long list of symptoms. And then it asked me questions about environmental exposures and like if I've eaten seafood from somewhere or someplace. So it's like trying to figure out if I've had a toxin exposure. And then the last part is a vision test where you like cover up one eye and do the thing like you do in the doctor's office. Um, and for me, I failed all of those with flying colors on my first try. Um, so that was, that was one um, diagnostic measure in my SIRS diagnosis. Uh, the other one is a fuck ton of blood tests. <laughs> um, one was to test for the HLA, all, the HLA-DR NDQ, HLA-DR, HLA-DQ, gene codings um, to see if I have any of these mutations. I did. <laughs> um, and there's also testing for a lot of inflammatory markers. Um, MMP9 is a big one. TGF-beta. Um, what else? ACTH, my cortisol levels were tested. DHEA, which is an acute stress hormone. ADH, your anti-diuretic hormone. The P hormone. Um, GGT, VEGF, uh, all of, a lot of these things that I'm like, what, what even, what even are these things? Um, but these are things that were tested in my body as part of my diagnosis for SIRS, and um, a lot of these. I mean, I'm not gonna go through them one by one, but a lot of these came back as really elevated, um, elevated or lower, I guess, depending on what we were looking at in my system. And again. Um, I did all of this with a functional medicine doctor who walked me through the whole process um, and explained, like, this is what your MMP9 does. Your MMP9 is really, really high. We need to work on getting that down. It's one of the major inflammatory markers. So that was kind of the second round in my diagnosis. So the visual screening test, the blood test, the labs I just mentioned, um, and those combined together, that is enough, along with, like, the laundry list of symptoms I had, some of which, if I try and go back to the beginning, so some of the symptoms I was having were um, vertigo and dizziness that pretty much, like, set up shop in my body full-time, <laughs> um, starting actually last July, um, so dizziness and some kind of, like, balanced equilibrium, kind of, like, not really fine in the ground when I can when I walked. Um, word recall is was difficult, still is, um, and I'll get to that in, in a little bit. Word and just memories in general, like short-term memory recall as well. Um, some tinnitus ringing in the ears and general ear pressure and lots of facial pressure pain down into the teeth and the gums. Um, I like describe it to people as like you feel like you have something in your teeth, but, um, it, and like, I go to floss it and nothing comes out. <laughs> it's just this like pressure and pain. Um, feeling like I had a chronic sinus infection. So like nasal, post nasal drip or stuffiness or just always constant like snot in my nose, dry itchy eyes. So that's here. And then down here it was like, well, the skin, skin rashes, um, many different types of rashes on my body in different locations, some of my stomach, some of this like splotchiness here, um, heart palpitations as well. Um, again, SIRS is this like multi-symptom, multi-system illness. And so with the bodies that can't produce 
um, not can't produce, uh, can't, uh, I'm being distracted by my cat right now. <laughs> um, then I come up and talk with you, with me. Um, so for the bodies that can't, this is where I'm having a hard time with word recall right now. Um, process, that's the word I was looking for. Bodies that can't process um, toxins. They'll, they'll have a lot of these different symptoms. So, okay, kind of working down. Oh, joint and muscle pain, like a lot of migrating um, joint and muscle pain, like sometimes just arm would go numb or limp, um, legs and toes tingling. Hi, baby. Mo wants to come say hi. <laughs> Um, oh, I have a glass of water here. He wants to drink the water. I'm going to remind myself to drink it, too. That's actually another symptom, is um, excessive thirst and hunger. Uh, oh, excuse you, that's my water. <laughs> okay, so we'll just hold this over here for now. Um, excessive thirst and hunger, insomnia, um, frequent like urination, lots of buddy, <laughs> lots of changes in bowel movements. Um, I was diagnosed with IBS for a little bit, like right before I was um, referred to my functional medicine doctor. Would you like a lap? Would you, would you like a lap while I'm talking here? <laughs> um, yeah, there you go, buddy. Okay, so those are, I don't know if you can see like cat butthole on the screen here, but that's just how, how this is going to work right now. Um, so those are some of the symptoms that I can remember right now. Um, I'm partially remembering a lot of them because several of them are flaring for me right now. Um, and I have a lot of theories about why and I have gotten into that in my stories in the past, but... That's not what I'm here for right now. Here is to talk about my diagnosis and um, treatment steps and all of that. So blood testing, the visual contrast test. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so once I had the that diagnosis, um, the first thing I did was to get out of my moldy basement that I was living in. I was living in the basement of a hundred-year-old house um in seattle washington so probably one of the wettest most humid um yeah wettest places around so i got out of there um into a slightly less moldy home and um uh, then started doing some more of the testing uh, excuse me buddy <laughs> my cat is very um, water motivated. So the next test I had done was called a Marcon's test, and it's testing for a biofilm in in my body. Um, so Marcon's are these things that are produced from the mold and the biotoxins in my body, and they basically create this, from what I understand, they create this biofilm that's this like thick spider webby like substance um, uh, that um, covers the mucous membranes in our bodies. And so it's like having a really intense um, infection that any, no antibiotics, um, it's resistant to basically all antibiotics. Um, not that I love those anyway, but uh, and so it required, I had that test done and I found that I had a very strong biofilm, so they measure it um, like light, moderate, strong, and mine was strong. And so we did a round of what was called bag spray. It's this nasal spray that's like no nasal spray I've ever had before. Um, I would cry a lot after I did it and I would do that a few times a day. Um, and I did that for a couple months, and it actually cleared out the biofilm. This was back in January, I believe. And I want to go to back up a little bit. I just talked about Marcon and testing and biofilm. 
Um, again, I'm not a functional medicine doctor. This is just my own experience. Um, so one of the first things I did after my diagnosis was getting out of the moldy environment into a less moldy environment um, and also started taking binders. Uh, there's a lot of different binders that people take. What I chose to take, what my doctor prescribed, was called cholestyramine. Um, and basically what it does is, since my body can't create the antibodies to bind the mold and flush it out itself, this little gross orange-flavored powder did, the, did this and still is doing it for me. I take it every day, four times a day. Um, uh, one to two hours away from meals and any other supplements uh, and so I started doing that back in September after my diagnosis um, I wanted to say something else about that but I lost it that's, that's another one of my symptoms things just go out of my brain um, so another part of the diagnostic testing which some people do right away but I didn't do until like four months into my diagnosis is the NeuroQuant imaging. And so that's a brain MRI and it's specific technology called NeuroQuant that they um, use to analyze the results of the brain MRI. So I did that in, no, yeah, I did that in late December of whatever last year was, 2021, yeah. Um, and the results of that, so what that is looking for is the neuroquant can show which parts of the brain, if any, have been impacted by mold or Lyme. So I had some Lyme markers and wasn't really sure, and so my neuroquant told us some more information um, that my brain has been impacted by Lyme, but not nearly as much as it has been by mold. The mold was like, front and center it was like hello i'm the primary toxin in your body <laughs> um and i make i make light of the brain stuff because it's actually really serious um and it's really hard for me to talk about <laughs> and so um I, I make light of it but and um so what i found from the results of the neuroquant reading is that mold due to water damaged buildings had atrophied, um, it's like very, it's like in the center part of the brain, two different regions, the caudate and the thalamus. Um, and Lyme had impacted some parts of my brain, but my doctor didn't think it was significant enough to pursue that path at the time. So the parts of my brain that it impacted are those symptoms I talked about, about balance and coordination and memory, um, short-term memory, and like, yeah, integrating new memory, word recall, when I couldn't remember the word process, I think it was, a couple minutes ago, um, some emotional regulation, um, what other, I can't remember all of the other things right now, oh, sleep and wake cycles, um, so insomnia was really, really bad um, for like a year and uh, before my diagnosis. Um, and so I found that out in December and that was, I mean, I already had my diagnosis before that, but that kind of like sealed the deal. I think some doctors do all three tests up front, the VCS, the blood testing and the neuroquant and others, like, I guess with mine, it was enough to be like, no, you're, you, this thing's going on for you. Get out of your house. <laughs> so water break. Mo has left. Mo is not trying to get my water anymore. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so those are my diagnostic things. Treatment. Um, but treatment also involves basically keeping my detox pathways open. And that has looked a lot of different ways. One is taking those binders. Um, Another, when I had access to, <coughs> excuse me, when I had access to a sauna, I would use it because sweating out the toxins through the skin is like one of our big detox pathways, which is why like we often see the rashes and the acne. Oh, acne was another thing. 
um, and still continues to be another thing for me because the skin is trying to just like get it out. So people with SIRS, me, I use other ways. Um, acupuncture helps open up a lot of the detox pathways for me. Um, so our kidneys help us detox, right, through our pee and stuff. And then my throat's getting scratchy again. Oh, this is actually, I'm having water with um, Himalayan sea salt in it, which helps to, with digestion, which is another detox pathway. Um, and also with the, oh, excuse me with the um, pee pathway. <laughs> uh, electrolytes get really imbalanced in the body with SIRS, and so that leads to the dizziness and also the frequent peeing. And Himalayan sea salt actually in water, um, not just like eating it, on the, but um, Himalayan sea salt helps to hydrate the cells. And when all of the, the toxins are in my cells, um, it helps kind of like squeeze the toxins out of it. And, help aid it to get out of my body. Um, oh, when I had access to bathtubs, I don't have bathtubs in my house right now, uh, which I guess is a blessing and a curse, but uh, I would take Epsom salt baths because that also helps with the detox pathways. Um, I was talking about acupuncture and that can just open up all of them. <laughs> so that's some of the treatment that I've had, the, the thing I'm still waiting on um, is my brain treatment. So there's this cool spray called Vase, VIP spray. I didn't write it down what it stands for. It's like vaso something peptide VIP. It's very important, <laughs> very important person spray. Anyway, uh, it's been used in Alzheimer's and dementia patients because actually people, a lot of people with Alzheimer's and dementia are misdiagnosed. Um, they've just have mold illness. <laughs> um, not everyone, but a lot of patients are. And so this um, spray helps regenerate parts of the brain. What? Yeah, regenerate parts of the brain. And also that spray cannot be taken um, just like, here you go, snort, like throw this thing up your nose. Um, it's it's gotta be the, the very last step in, in the protocol. And so that is kind of what I've been waiting on a year to do and I, I don't know where it is. It's not really in sight anymore. Because um, the I need to be in a low mold home, a very, very low mold home which might not be the case here. And I need to have no Marcons in my body. So the Marcons were the thing that created the biofilm. And then I took the bag spray, the nasal spray, and eliminated it. Um, though my doctor and I are talking about maybe it's back now. So I need to do another round of that. Um, and then all of those inflammatory markers that we were tracking, that we have been tracking, need to come down significantly. They had come down as of the last time I had a test in February, and I haven't been able to have a blood test since then, um, since I got here to the desert, because there's a lot of obstacles to that. So, yeah, I think that's, oh, there was one more thing I wanted to say. I wrote little notes. Little notes, and actually, this is <laughs> this is funny. The big five. This was the last thing I wanted to talk about. Um, is that so? Water. What is it like? Water damage building mold. What does mold do? There's like umpteen different types of mold out there. Like you would not believe the different types of mold. Um, I've done a couple different tests in houses now. One is called the Ermi test. The other is called the Hertzme test, which is it's spelled H-E-R-T-S-M-I, not Hertzme. But anyway, the Hertzme test tests for the big five. Um, and these are the ones primarily that people with SIRS 
um, get sick from or react to. And those are um, Aspergillus versicolor, Aspergillus penicillatus, um, chemot chemotomium, stachybotrys, and wolemia. And those, I'm kind of slowly learning about what the different ones mean, but basically, like, those are the big five, like, look out if you got those in your home, because you're probably going to have a reaction. Uh, and those are the ones that prominently show up in a water-damaged building. So, like, if it was damaged during construction. <clears throat> or if there's been a leaky pipe for years, and it's just, like slowly spreading into the walls and in the floorboards, if floorboards are buckling, if there's cracks along the ceiling, like maybe there was something in the, the roof when it was put on, or the foundation of the home. If it's an area that's prone to flooding, like actually the desert where I live is prone to flooding. Many of you folks from other areas of the country don't know this. <laughs> um, so those are like all different ways water can intrude into a building and then these specific molds come up and um, the uh, spores or the mycotoxins from the mold. So even if it's not like an active mold that's growing, the spores dry out and they're not dead. They, um, they can be reactivated. <coughs> when there's humidity, such as, there's a lot of humidity in the desert right now. Um, and so I think humidity and barometric pressure, those are things that seem to be impacting my body a lot. Yes, buddy, and perhaps my cat's body too. Um, so I think that's the last thing I wanted to say, is that there are specific molds that people with SIRS tend to be more reactive to. Uh, I don't know which ones are in my body. There's another test that some people with SIRS do. My doctor chose not to. Um, but it's a, a urine test where they can... Uh, the urine test will show the different types of mold that are in your body and then, like, the different levels of it. Like, is this a concerning level? Is this, like, okay, whatever. Um, that's something I didn't get done. My doctor... It's very, It's expensive, um... My doctor uh, is of the belief that there's often a lot of margin for error in those tests. And, um, you know, sometimes it's like something you ate that morning and it's going to be processed and it's fine. So, and also I know a lot of other people in the SERS community really rely on this. Um, and it's really important to them to have these testing of the levels in their body. So, like, whatever people do is fine. This is just my story. Um, I think, uh, I think that's it for now. I, I don't know, um, I don't know how many people are still here. I haven't done lives, uh, like this in a while, but, um, I hope you, uh, got what you needed from this. Um, it felt important for me to share what my story, my diagnosis has been, the treatment, and, um, symptoms and all that. I'm going to leave this somewhere on my profile. So when people start asking me questions about it, I'll be like, just come here. Just come watch this video. Um, yeah. Thanks y'all for being supportive and I will talk to you later. Okay, hey y'all, it's me back here in real time, not from the recording you were just listening to. Um, fun fact, some of those meows that you heard were from the video recording, and some were from this audio recording right now because my mocat is still here with me, and there was even a moment, I don't know if you caught this, where Mo in this time was responding to hearing his voice on the recording. Anyway, just wanted to stop here in the middle, give you a chance for take a break, pause if you need to. Um, that was a lot of information. 
I just gave, and it's a different flavor of my podcast episode right now, so if you're used to my other more, like, let's be present and grounded in the body, which, like, we can still do, like, there's my feet on the ground, right? Um, But if you're used to more of that kind of flavor of podcast episode from me, that might have been a lot of information to synthesize, so... I encourage people to take a break. That's the cool things about, um, cool. one of the cool things about these recordings is you can pause them, you can rewind, you can come back to them days later. I am gonna continue with, um, I, of course, after I did this one live recording, I remembered several different things I wanted to. I think this one's about 13 minutes, so it's about half as long. Um, just wanted to kind of fill in some gaps in my story and talk about other things that came up. I feel a poem coming on as well, so know that that is coming too, and um, I'll leave you with the uh, second recording. today because I have capacity to, because it feels healing for me to do this, because it feels important, Um, and I just ask that folks trust that I know what my capacity is right now. Um, So, some of the things that I didn't talk about in my first video were, where do I want to start here? I describe what SIRS is, chronic inflammatory response syndrome, and all of my diagnostic testing, and some of the treatments that I'm doing. Um, One of the important things that I didn't mention about SIRS in my first video is that somebody could have the gene their entire life, um, this HLDR, HLDQ um, coding in our genes, and never have SIRS activated. Um, The important thing I learned from my doctor is that you need the perfect storm of the gene, the gene coding, um, exposure to a water damaged building or whatever toxin, lime or whatever, plus a traumatic event or series of events. And so having that formula creates this perfect storm that creates SIRS. For me, I have a couple hunches about what my traumatic event or traumatic events were, but I can't really say for sure. I know what building it happened in. I know that there were lots of stressful events that happened during those five years that I lived there um, as symptoms progressed. Um, I had a major surgery. There were changes in jobs, changes in relationships and partnerships um it's hard to point and say there that's the one but that piece actually felt really important to share that some people might have this gene coding and not ever have SIRS activated if you somehow manage to get through this life without having a traumatic event and and exposure to a water damaged building which a lot of So that was important to, that feels important to mention. And then also the other piece is that SIRS, like, oh my gosh, so many other things um, out there is a spectrum. And so I am one person experiencing um, my version of SIRS and how it impacts my body. I happen to be someone who is hypersensitive and reactive. And so my experience is gonna be different than someone who maybe isn't hypersensitive and could likely live in different environments that I could and their symptoms patterns are showing up in different ways. And so that feels like another important thing for me to say about SIRS is that my experience is not representative of the entire spectrum. And 
Um, if you're watching this and you have SIRS and you're like, well, my experience isn't like that, well, yeah, it probably isn't, because we're all different. So those are a couple things I wanted to say. Um, and then also, of course, as I was sitting here, um, going back over and thinking about a lot of the symptoms that I was experiencing, for, for five years, maybe a little bit more before my diagnosis, these kind of built on top of each other until, um, you know, like the last year before my diagnosis where everything was just kind of exploding. And so some of the symptoms I forgot to mention were night sweats, like, oh my gosh, I thought I was going through perimenopause <laughs> um, at a very young age. <laughs> and night sweats, and those still continue. Um, tremors, uh, like um, hot, cold regulation, that that was difficult to regulate my body temperature, that's the word I'm looking for. Anxiety, depression, um, I, this was a major flag for me because I was a person who felt anxious, felt sad or low in my life, but never had experienced what people would describe as clinical anxiety. I even had a therapist diagnose me with chronic anxiety um, within the last five years. And depression showing up, I didn't know what to do with that either. Um, so those were other um, big things that showed up that hadn't been there my whole life, that showed up after my serious diagnosis, or um, after the perfect storm of activation. Irritability, there's something called mold rage. Um, I know a lot of people probably see this like really calm side of me here, and unfortunately folks that I am close to have seen the rage part. Um, it really mold messes with hormones um, all over the place, and our uh, emotional regulation, our nervous system regulation, and it just kind of wreaks havoc on that. And mold rage is one of those things. Um, being short, shortness of breath. Um, so I talked about this a little bit in my last video, but shortness of breath and what we call air hunger. So like, I can't get the breath. No matter what kind of breathing techniques I'm trying, no matter um, how intentional I'm trying to be, I just can't get the breath. So air hunger, um, the skin rashes, which are coming back, nausea, indigestion, bloating, all that, all that stuff that impacts the digestive tract, right? Because that's one of our toxin pathways to process them. And really gnarly periods or menstrual cycles, moon cycles, whatever you want to call them pain, cramping, blood, like lots of blood, big clots, no fun. Um, so those are some of the other symptoms I thought of after I was like, you know, and the list goes on and on. It's a multi-symptom, multi-system inflammatory response. So like everything, it impacts everything. Um, and in the last important thing, well, there's two more important things that I wanted to share, is that because one of the systems that SIRS impacts is the nervous system, a huge part of my treatment has been regulating the nervous system. I mean, y'all probably see some of the things I post on here and about, like, workshops, free workshops I'm attending and... Um, somatic therapists that I'm working with and some different techniques I'm getting from there because it this puts the body this chronic inflammatory response puts the body into a constant state of fight or flight so we're in our sympathetic nervous system near constant and so the body is like on edge and these nervous system regula regulation techniques, whether it's breathing or meditation or certain stretches or dancing or grounding, whatever, um, those have been huge tools in my treatment, 
toolbox and tools that I was gathering for years and years and years before my diagnosis because as I mentioned, I speak to the I spoke to the mental health portion of this. I was trying everything possible to calm the fuck down <laughs> um, or you know better regulate my emotions and um, turns out I needed to do some other things like using mold binders and getting out of moldy environments and detoxing and stuff like that but I still have those nervous system regulation techniques as well and that is a very important part of treatment that I I can't believe I forgot to mention last time um and then last thing is I just wanted to shout out some resources here on Instagram because this is where I'm doing this live that uh have really helped me better understand what's going on I've got my doctors and then you know doctors aren't always available so you gotta like look elsewhere right um exposing mold has been a great resource that's their handle on instagram it's just at exposing mold and they're a they're officially a nonprofit now and they're all um folks who um have mold illness and have been impacted by mold um, practice mold avoidance which is something I can talk about later at some point but I really would just point you to their their page to to learn more about that they're very very smart very smart people they've got a lot of educational resources out there and a podcast and a like, patreon and stuff like that so I get a lot of information from from them as well um there's a, a page called SIRS Support, which is run by uh, Olivia Fairbaugh, who I've mentioned here before. She's a musician who also has SIRS and has helped to start a support fund that I've applied to. Hopefully I can receive funds from them. Um, but she's also I, um, someone that I've seen use her public image in her uh, really public facing life to raise awareness and so even just googling Olivia Farabaugh is another great resource um, survivingmold.com um, has a lot more of the technical information for doctors and patients it's where I did my screening I think it's got like a they put out a guide for um, people with SIRS and their families and their loved ones I'll talk about that, about how SIRS impacts relationships maybe at some other time. But um, Surviving Mold is great. And then there's a couple of just other um, personal Instagram accounts that are public that I wanted to give a shout out to. One is Shake the Mold Disease. Wow, she posts a lot of really great information. This is another person who, this is just her personal story and is sharing out, starting to share out like I am. Um, as well as healing from mold um, is, uh, and she advertises as a mold advocate, so has kind of a, a different different lens, and also it's, uh, from what I understand, this is her own personal story as well. And so those are a few I could think of off the top of my head. I'm constantly, um, not constantly, but I am, you know, as I dive deeper into my own healing and seek out resources, more of these people kind of show up in these accounts and websites and information shows up and I will try and share as I am able to. It's, it's important for me and then also for all the people in my life, the people that I love, the people that love me to uh, just be educated and know what this is all about and uh, ways that you can be supportive. Um, speaking of, my GoFundMe links in my bio. Oh my gosh, are you surprised that you're hearing this from me? And um, Venmo and PayPal are always open for generous donations to help keep me going. My Etsy shop is there too a bunch of other random little things that I do when I'm able to, when I have the energy to. Um, yeah, and I might make some more of these videos as, as it comes up. Again, this is my own journey. I am not a doctor. I am the, an expert in my own healing, in my own body, in my experience of SIRS, and 
other co-infections that I'm figuring out as I go along. So thanks for being on this journey with me, and uh, I think that's all for today. <laughs> okay, bye! <laughs>
that have occurred within these walls. This body walked away from home today. This body. And that's it, my friends. <laughs> this body is still here, doing the things, healing, reading you poetry that was written at some very difficult times, telling, telling a story, telling the story. Um, it's all here. This body's here. And I hope... I hope your body is over there too, wherever you are in this world, that your body is holding you or letting you hold it or whatever it is that bodies do. I don't know. There's such wild, wild things. Um, thanks for listening this to, to this episode in particular. It's such a different flavor from what I've done which is pretty typical. Um, I appreciate you holding these pieces of my story and listening and listening to my poetry. And that's it. That's it for now. You know where to find me on all the other places. Instagram at Surrendirt. Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Surrendirt. I've got an Etsy shop as well. Etsy.com forward slash shop forward slash surrender. I also have an OnlyFans I'm starting to work on. I have not posted anything because I'm waiting for people to come over there. I have one person that I need to make some content for, but I would love to see other folks on there as well. I'm going to primarily save that space for videos of me dancing. So those are some places you can find me. And here, of course, and, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't really have a question for you, I know I usually end with some sort of a question, but I just, um, I just hope for you to be well, whatever that means, whatever that means to you, to be on your journey, to be with it, to be with whatever it is, okay, until next time. <laughs>